The information discussed on this show is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content is for general informational purposes only. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights From the guests, I bring you each and every week to the show, and once again, this week is no exception. I've got two very diverse and very interesting guests on Guys Guys Radio today. Our first guest, her name is Kirsten Parsons Hathcock. She's written a book called Little Voices, and she's got an amazingly unique personal story. She's written a memoir, and she's an everyday person, so we usually don't get a lot of memoirs that way, but... What's incredible about her experience is that she's an entrepreneur. She developed a furniture company for kids out of her garage. She worked her way up and got a guest spot on Shark Tank, and she won. So she goes through that experience in her book. And at the same time, concurrently, she started to get messages from young children who had passed over. And they gave her information to help solve the crimes that led to their demise. And they also began to help her when she got into kind of a challenging relationship, an extramarital situation that she got involved in, and she was having a hard time getting out of, and she got insights from the children. So unlike many other mediums, Kirsten only gets information from the other side when these kids who passed over come through to her and give her information. Amazing story. We're going to talk to her. She's uh, teed up first on Guys Guys Radio. We've also got Cogno Movement developer Bill McKenna back on the show, and he's got some wonderful tips for a very special subject, driving. He's got a couple of mindful hacks for helping us when we drive. And these are things that we can do in terms of intention and how to deal with people who are tailgating and some other stuff, finding a parking space, etc. Things we deal with all the time, particularly out here in Southern California where driving is seems like a competitive sport from my perspective. So Guys Guys Radio, let's kick it off right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, it's the interview portion of our show, and today we're going to talk about mediumship, intuition, and recovering from abuse. My special guest, her name is Kirsten Parsons Hathcock. She's written a new book that's just come out called Little Voices. It is a memoir, and it's called How Kids and Spirit Helped a Reluctant Medium Escape and Heal from Abuse. It's a pretty interesting story. Let me tell you a little bit about Kirsten. She's incredibly vulnerable, well-spoken, down-to-earth, incredible mom of two. Let me tell you a little bit about what happened to her. To most who know her, she's a Shark Tank-winning, self-taught carpenter and furniture designer who defied the odds and built an internationally known furniture company out of her garage. And she was on Shark Tank, and she did win. What most people don't know is that she's also an ordinary person who was thrown into some extraordinary 
circumstances at the age of 36 when suddenly she started seeing and hearing spirits of deceased children, some who were killed by predators. Her intuitive awakening led to partnerships with detectives around the country and a book deal for her memoir, Little Voices, that we're going to discuss today, which just dropped. Little did Kirsten know at the time, though, the kids weren't just there for her to help. They were also coming to save her from her own circumstances with somebody who was kind of predatory in her life. Please welcome my guest, Kirsten Parsons Hathcock to Guys Guys Radio. Hello there, Kirsten. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, my pleasure. Um, well, there's so much to unpack here between Shark Tank and your yeah. hearing kids coming to you at, you know, kind of midlife, if you will, early part of midlife, and then having your own challenges to go through at the same time. So let's get right into it. You're a survivor and you're quite a fearless individual in my estimation. Mm -hmm. I read your book and it's uh, moving and you uh, moved to Southern California. You launched mm -hmm. Mod Mom Furniture. Then you witnessed dead children coming to you. What what happened to you that led to all of this stuff happening in, during your life journey to you becoming an intuitive medium and helping many other de uh, deceased children who had passed mm -hmm. over who came to you in their transition? And then how did that relate to some of the challenges and journeys you were going through in your own personal life? That's such a good question. <laughs> so let me, I'll, I'll start back when I was little. So I grew up in Ohio. Um, my parents, uh, my parents are amazing. I absolutely adore them. My dad's a football coach. My mom's a teacher. And I just had a very a wonderfully grounded experience uh, as a child, uh, except for one tiny thing. And that was some abuse that I endured. Um, I was sexually abused and raped by a distant uncle. Uh, when I was between the ages of three and six. But here's the thing. I didn't understand that until I was 40. It really, it, the, the memories didn't come back until I was 40. Prior to that, um, you know, I am a doer. Obviously, I built a furniture company uh, out of our garage without any carpentry experience, which, you know, is not the thing that most people would want to do. Uh, but I just charged right forward. And now looking back, I can say, oh, well, that was intuition. You know, I had that kind of knowing that I should do that. So um, my husband and I and our two kids uh, at the time, we moved to LA and I wanted to, this was back in uh, 2004. And I knew I needed to make money because I had left a job with a and &E in the History Channel and marketing. And I wanted to figure out how to do that. So I started basically just building furniture, taught myself uh, how to do that on Google, uh, which was very, very helpful to just Google how to build furniture and then was able to launch that business. So um, about four years into the business, right around the time I went on Shark Tank, um, you know, it was exploding internationally, which was wonderful. Uh, but by, about the time that I went on, it ended up being, um, this was when I was starting to get hit over the head by all of the folks on the after in the afterlife on the other side. And, you know, I think part of that had to do with the fact that I was in the garage and I was using my hands and it's kind of, it's very meditative. And so I didn't quite realize that that was what was happening, but around the age of 36, I started to suddenly, you know, see things and hear things that I had never heard before. So when you were started to get the kids coming through to you, mm -hmm. What was your initial reaction? Was this something that just came out of the blue when you were working in garage or did you have instances like this, this gift, if you will, start out when you're a kid and you kind of tucked it away and then it came out again? Because I have to tell you, after having interviewed mm -hmm. many people who have a similar gift, 
They received it when they were young and then they put it aside and then it came out full blown when they got into adulthood. And it sounds kind of like this happened to you and a lot of things came out. It did. It did. Um, but I didn't remember it. And that's unfortunately, you know, one of the byproducts of childhood sexual abuse is, you know, many times because it's such a traumatic event, you block memory. So I actually was highly, highly intuitive. And I do have, you know, a couple memories of seeing things and seeing people in spirit. But I think what happened is, as most people would say to a child who's saying there's grandpa in the corner of a funeral and grandpa is actually in the casket. People were saying, no, Kirstie, that's not what's happening. You know, no, no, no. I'm sorry, honey. He's gone. So I just took all of that in and said, nope, uh, that's I'm being told this isn't real. So it's not real. So, yes, I actually do believe I had intuitive gifts as a child. I just didn't remember having them. When the first child came to you, then what did he or she have to say? And what was your initial reaction? Well, they came in kind of slowly at first um, because I was I was, you know, seeing nails move across the workbench on their own. I was seeing uh, shadows of what looked like small people, children, uh, you know, running across the kitchen. I was hearing mom and I knew my kids were at school. So it started out like that. But the first full on child that came to me was actually um, a son of friends of mine from high school. And I happened to be reading Facebook and I apparently channel quite a bit when I read Facebook or I read anything. And uh, I felt him come in. I saw him and he started, you know, basically sharing information with me and asking me to talk with his parents. And so it was at that point that I was terrified. Uh, I didn't know what to do. Honestly, I put, I, I wrote down the messages and then I just tucked them away waiting for that courage and, you know, the intuitive knowing that maybe this is something I was supposed to do. And he, this child had passed. He had passed on. Yes. He died. Were you aware of that when he came through to you? Yes. Because I was reading a post about his memorial and that was why he came through. Yes. So he had passed at the age of 13. And then what did you do? Did you contact his, uh, his parents? I did. Yeah. I sat on it for two days because mm-hmm. first of all, you know, sure. I don't want to bring pain to right, right. To, right. to parents who've already lost a child. That's just not what I'm in this for um, at all. And I also was scared. I didn't want it to affect, you know, my business. Uh, I didn't want it to affect my family. So I kind of kept it under wraps for a little while. And I, when I reached out to Denise, who is Nate's mom, Denise uh, was very grateful, thankfully. <laughs> and she said, you know, Kirsten, I I thank you for reaching out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so we ended up actually having multiple conversations. I ended up sitting in their living room with them, sharing more information. I honestly, as I think you probably have talked to you know millions of mediums, I don't remember a lot of what I shared, but I do know that what I channeled from Nate was, were, you know, those were things that I couldn't possibly have known. Why did he contacted you? And did he have a message for his parents or what was mm-hmm. the purpose of his getting in touch yes. with you? Yes. He wanted his parents to know that he was still around them. And there were, there were some, you know, very specific messages that I won't share for privacy reasons, but you know, there were, there were some things he wanted them to know. Um, Now, unbeknownst to me at the time, I didn't realize that he would stay in my life. I thought maybe he was coming through passing messages and then he would move on. But he was one of the kids that stuck with me, uh, you know, throughout my journey. 
at the same time, you were developing your business and you got onto there's a couple aspects of your story. It's very interesting. You've got <laughs> this furniture business where you you built it up and then you got invited onto Shark Tank and you went on Shark Tank and you won. And yet mm-hmm. it, the kind of the deal didn't go through, but it led some led to some other things that were that were positive. And um, so tell us a little bit about that trajectory and we'll get back to the kids then. And then there's the third part of your story, Mm -hmm. which is about Mm -hmm. the experience you went through um, that takes a good chunk of this book in terms Mm -hmm. of your relationship that had an affair you had. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so let's, let's do the shark tank and the furniture business, and then we'll move to uh, some other things. But I also want to go back to the children and your gift, because I think that's uh, something that people are going to be really interested in. So tell us what happened with your experience with your furniture company and shark tank. So uh, Shark Tank was was one of those things that I didn't know I wanted to do, but my dad reached out to me. And again, I was about four years into building Mod Mom. So it was already out there. It was growing internationally, but it was still me in a garage. So I knew I had to, you know, I had to scale and grow the business. So he reached out and said, hey, there's this new show called Shark Tank and um, and you should apply. And so my initial thought was that looks really scary. I don't want to do that. But I ended up, you know, putting myself on on the list and then got picked. And, uh, you know, going through that Shark Tank experience was really fascinating because I think it was also a time period where it helped me to learn how to trust my intuition, my own intuition. You know, I was already starting to channel information from children and pass that on, but getting your own intuitive information is difficult sometimes. So I had to trust my gut. And I'm really glad I did because, you know, I was guided by the Shark Tank producers to say a few things that just didn't sit right with me. It didn't feel like me. And so I had to stand up to them in a, in a nice way and say, I, I can't do this. I can't do it this the way that you want me to do this. So you got so, the deal. Um, you got the mm-hmm, deal, got deal. And one of, yep. with one of the sharks. Two were interested, mm-hmm. and then over time, it didn't really transpire the way you hoped it would. Yet, right. some good things still happened in your furniture business because then you got picked up by a big one of the big furniture manufacturers, your spokesperson, some mm-hmm. other stuff, and then that went away. You had a lot of things that began and mm-hmm. looked like they were going in a certain direction, and then kind of you had some bad luck. It seemed like along the way, but it always Mm -hmm. kept moving you in the right direction. It seemed to me, if I may say Mm -hmm. so, having read Mm -hmm. your book and not knowing you that I I think what you, it seemed to me that what you're supposed to be doing is working with the kids, working with Mm -hmm. people who passed over. And that's the real gift that you've been given. Mm -hmm. And that's none of my business Mm -hmm. to say that, but it just came to me (laughs) to say, you know what? I just thought that right now that I really think that maybe some of those delays or u-turns or right turns mm-hmm. be, are because you were supposed to be doing something different what what have you thought about that absolutely yeah absolutely you know i think mod mom was uh was something that we needed at the time i needed to pay the gas bill you know or raising kids in la it's expensive mm-hmm. uh so it was something that we actually really needed um it's you know it, it's not necessarily a passion of mine but the fact that i went into kids furniture you know everything in my life seems to be wrapped around children and i didn't you know i i didn't put that together until later so i absolutely agree everything I believe, you know, a lot of those things that um, look like failures were actually just redirections. And those redirections led me where I am supposed to be right now. And it led me to an organization that, you know, one of the detectives and I started called uh, the National Institute for Law and Justice. And, you know, I think you're right. That's where my work is. It's in telling the story and it's in doing that type of work with families and law enforcement. 
You know, it's so interesting. My guest on Guys Guys Radio, the author of the new memoir, Little Voices, Kirsten Parsons Hathcock, is, is that as you were, I found the book to be cathartic for you in terms of mm-hmm. writing it because it wasn't laid out like a traditional book. And there was a lot of stuff about, okay, your furniture company and mm-hmm. then the kids coming to you. And then you got into this extramarital affair that takes yes. up a good, very good portion of the book. And I think, oh, this is a this is cathartic for Kirsten mm-hmm. writing this because she went through this situation and then the kids helped her out. And then, you know, it, it was very soul bearing also. And yeah. are these the real names that you used in this? Because you put it right out there, girl. No, <laughs> I did put it right out there, but no, the names are not, okay, you know, good. I've changed the names. I, I, you know, wanted to do what I could to protect privacy. Sure. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Honestly, you know, it's, I, I wanted to be as vulnerable and as open mm-hmm. and as honest as I can be, because there are millions of us going through this. There are millions of us who are childhood sexual abuse survivors that then, you know, unconsciously recreate whatever that type of abuse was as adults. And that was what happened to me. So no matter how intuitive I was, and I was working with cops at the time, when I had the affair and I left my marriage, of course, marriage is hard, right? We had 18 years. There was a lot of stuff going on in our marriage that needed fixed and neither one of us were looking at it. But by the time I met this particular man, Tony, who is a predator, uh, and of course I didn't know that then, I was at the lowest point in my life, I had also just realized, kind of come to the realization that I was a childhood sexual abuse survivor. So it's an, I feel like my story is a really interesting intersection between psychology and spirituality. Because on paper, if you talk to a psychiatrist, psychologist, I recreated, you know, it's wounded attachment 101. I recreated the trauma. Uh, but the spiritual side, I was actually hearing you know, later on, once I got out of the abusive relationship that I couldn't have avoided him, that this was part of my life path. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's an interesting uh, place to be to try and reconcile both of those things. Now, do you find that you've now closed the loop by going through that situation with uh, quote unquote, Tony, that Mm -hmm. it actually helped you kind of uh, come to terms with what happened to you as a child with your, with an uncle, and also Mm -hmm. realize that you put yourself in this position to go through this experience as a learning uh, to get to, mm-hmm. to raise your frequency, if you will, to get to the next step. Is that accurate? Absolutely. That's absolutely how I think of this. You know, I really believe that, um, you know, I don't really believe in coincidences anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I used to the first 36 years of my life, very scientific person didn't believe in woo woo. Now I believe, you know, I, I look for signs, right. And they're easy when they're children coming to you, you know, and giving you messages. So once I, you know, once I got out of that relationship, I, I, you know, I had signs that, uh, little Kirsten was, was not healed. Little Kirsten was driving that bus when she went head forward towards Tony, uh, because guess what? He felt just like, you know, my uncle felt. And, and as a child, you equate abuse with love if that's what you've endured. So, you know, it was really interesting for me to be able to look at that. And then once I stood up to the abuse I was dealing with as an adult, I was able to heal little Kirsten. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had physical signs. I, I know you read about this, but physical signs of intuition about that. I had a buzzing sensation on my right hip every single time he was yelling at me and screaming at me. And after the cops came to the apartment, all of that, and I couldn't put it together. I started noticing it. But then finally, you know, after so much of that, I like, there's something to this. This isn't a physical thing. This is an intuitive thing. And it was her. 
And it was her. So once I got out of the relationship, I you know, went to therapists and psychologists and I did everything I could possibly do to help me heal. Uh, that buzzing sensation went away. You know, it's interesting when you're reading it, you see mm-hmm. what's happening and you're like, oh, don't like it's like when you watch a movie and you say, don't go in that room. Yes, you see yes. it unfolding that it was yes. it seemed kind of obvious and it just yeah. kept going and going and going. For yourself, looking back mm-hmm. after you had written this, what I would call a very mm-hmm. cathartic piece, did you realize like, oh my goodness, my friends saw this, other people saw it, why didn't I see it? Or do you understand like, I know why I didn't see it, because it was it was related to my, the sexual abuse you had as a kid mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. tied into the kind of more uh, psychological abuse you experienced through this relationship. Yes, absolutely. I I think I absolutely felt that. I felt like, well, okay, well, that was why I was blinded because I really wasn't, my conscious brain was not driving my behavior. Um, Our subconscious, right, drives 80% of our behavior. And that's where that little Kirsten was locked in. That's where those wounds were. So it was, um, it was definitely that piece. But I also recognize there are so many narcissistic abuse survivors out there, so many um, domestic violence survivors out there. And you know, I wanted to tell this story because people shame survivors so often. Why didn't you get out faster? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, why aren't we looking at why are these people the way that they are? You know, where's the generational trauma that is involved here? Um, And master manipulators manipulate. That's how cults are formed, you know? So that I, I wanted to tell this story that, you know, you can look like you've got it all together and everything's great. And I was very self-confident and I still fell down the rabbit hole. You know, it's interesting. The name of the show is Guys, Guys Radio, and we want men and women to be at their best. And when you hear this as a, as a guys guy who's a, a work in progress, it makes me very sad and makes me sick. But you're not the only one. This is, no. a, this is a, a phenomena that's been happening forever and it continues mm-hmm. to happen. Why do you think this occurs and what can women do to be... Um, I don't want to put any of the responsibility on them, but to have their awareness dialed up so they can take mm-hmm. the measures they need to take to protect themselves. Well, I think one of the things, um, you know, and and I just want to put out there, I know that there are many female narcissistic uh, abusers as well, right? So I know many on both sides, on all sides. Um, I think just the awareness of the fact that intuition is real. And I, you know, as intuitive as I was, I did not listen to my intuition when he first came into the picture. Now, I really couldn't because my subconscious was really driving this. However, there were more signs, you know, as I went, right? Like you were saying, everyone's screaming at the movie theater, like, no, don't go, don't go go in that door. Um, There were many of those signs and I ignored them. So I feel like, you know, the biggest piece that I would like to impart on abuse survivors and people out there who are just getting into relationships is trust your gut. You're going to have that kick in the gut feeling. You will get signs. And, um, you know, also look up what is a toxic relationship. You know, when they come at you very, very quickly, when they say, I love you within the first week, when they, um, you know, all of the decisions are driven from their side, um, how they know everything about you, you know, it feels like they're, they're your soulmate. When they use that type of language, those are the types of signs too you can look at from the narcissistic abuse handbooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think it's a combination of awareness and intuition. You know, and it, again, it's so interesting that you were kind of, um, I'm going to put this in quotes, misled. You had expectations based on what you were told on Shark Tank and also with the TEDx mm-hmm. talk 
also. Yes. Um, do you think those things are on then your re, your affair? Do you think those are all mm-hmm. related? Are they part think, of that, or is that just the signpost saying maybe you should be doing something different? I think that there were, you know, there was obviously there were some learning thing, you know, learning lessons in all of those for me, for sure. Um, I was a very trusting child. I ended up being a people pleaser, so I'm always trusting everyone. And so I've had to learn discernment. And I think that was what I was learning with Shark Tank, discernment. Um, I also think that, you know, when you go to the the part of TEDx that happened in 2018, what's interesting to me uh, now is that one of the women that I met there who was actually giving a talk, uh, Dr. Romani DeBressola, she was giving a talk on narcissism. I was giving a talk about my story, which included narcissism. And so we, we met. And I really, really, I admire her so much. Well, eventually she was one of the reasons that I got a book deal and I'm going to be on her show in October. So, you know, I look at those moments like, ah, maybe it really wasn't about the TEDx talk. Maybe it was about meeting her, you know, like, I think I always look back and go, hmm, okay, I can see how this is all snaking together now. So I guess the message is for people is pay attention. We have a a lot of stuff coming at us at all times. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, people wake up and they stare at their phone and they start scrolling and they go to bed and they scroll before they go to bed and, and they scroll mm-hmm. all day long. And it's really just a series of images and disconnected thoughts. And, uh, it can get in the way I would think this can get in the way in your God given abilities to nurture and develop your own mm-hmm. personal intuition. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think there are a lot of barriers to people trusting their own intuition. Um, You know, one, it's portrayed as woo-woo. And that was me. You know, I didn't like any of that. I was thinking this is nuts. But, you know, ultimately, I think we all have this gift. And if we trust it, it's a roadmap. Mm -hmm. And it helped me out. You know, that's the other reason I wrote the book. You know, I'm looking at my journey from childhood sexual abuse survivor to a psychic detective working with cops on you know, childhood murder cases to falling in love with a predator uh, who was a sexual predator as well. So it was like, it's full circle. And then having those same children who came in, you know, for help, and I was able to help them, then they turned around and pulled me right out. So I think it's, um, it's a beautiful testimony to life and, and love and that love lives on on the other side. It's called Little Voices, my special guest, Kirsten. Kirsten Parsons Hathcock, Little Voices, a memoir. And there's, there's, if you want to learn about intuition, you've got some great tips in there for people and how to develop it. You've got, uh, you know, uh, some lessons about relationships and how the dots are connected in our life. And also about, you know, how you manage to navigate the system in terms of your woodworking expertise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you really took it all the way and you should be very proud of yourself. So, okay, where can people find out more about you, Kirsten? Oh, thank you. So yeah, if you go to kirstenhathcock.com, K-I-E-R-S-T-E-N-H-E-T-H-C-O-C-K.com, you'll find a whole bunch of information, a lot of resources for survivors as well. Um, and my book is out today and it's everywhere. Uh, the audio book will be out on the 27th. Okay, great job. Keep doing the good work. I hope you do a book about working with the kids strictly and uh, fantastic. All right. I keep am. Up. That's my next book. <laughs> All right, keep, keep helping people. And thanks for being on Guys Guys Radio. Thank you, Robert. It's Guys Guy Radio.
Okay, Guys Guys Radio, my special guest is my friend and teacher, Bill McKenna. Bill developed the Cogno Movement System, which works with uh, your brain functioning and perspectives. And Bill will explain it to us a little bit better than I will, but it works. And he's worked with me a number of times, and I've seen amazing results in my cognitive abilities. And Bill is also an author. He wrote a wonderful book called The Only Lesson, and it's all about love. And he's a friend. Since I've moved out here to Southern California, I'm so glad I've met him. And I love having him on the show because he's going to take us through a number of practical tips from the masters that'll help us in our everyday lives. Welcome back to Guys Guys Radio, my friend and teacher, Bill McKenna. How are you, Bill? Oh, great. Thank you, Robert. So excited to be back again. Good to see you. Tell everybody about Cogno Movement, exactly what that is, because that's really your main system that you're working with right now these days and teaching people all around the world, professionals and lay people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So this is really something interesting. What what we have is a modality uh, that we basically have found a way to eliminate your automatic responses, your unwanted automatic responses in your life. And all of us have so many automatic responses, right? We get up in the morning and we have the same routine, right? Or or people say this to us and then we feel this way and say that. Whatever it might be, from food to drink to shame, guilt, grief, humiliation, fear, resentment, you name it. Imagine not having any of that in your life. What would your life be like if you had no fear? And and it wasn't like you were trying to be strong or anything. It's just literally you just was like not not uh, not feeling that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not that you lose your discernment. Uh, you still have that, uh, but you just don't have those uh, automatic reactions. Now. Uh, these are just natural neurological responses that we have found a way to exploit. So that's what Cogno Movement is all about. Bill also went through kind of a reawakening, if you will, a transformation based on some experiences in his life. And I think his your crown opened and you got a lot of downloads and you have a lot of information from your training in the spiritual unfoldment. And Bill's going to share with us today some tips that are practical to help us in everyday life. Because sometimes we think about spiritual unfoldment and people think, oh, no, it's all all going to be all woo-woo. No, but there's a practicality. So is that correct, Bill? And we can get into some of those now. Yeah. You know, I had the good fortune of, you know, when the student's ready, the master appears. And I just had the good fortune of that. And I guess one of the things that came along with it is these practical tips, these secrets that really make life so much easier. Ridiculous things like, you know, getting somebody to stop tailgating you. Okay, let's or, get into that one. Let's start with that one. Everybody yeah. everybody, everybody drives, uh, particularly here in Southern California, maybe, maybe not everybody, but most people out here at least drive. And tailgating, I've noticed, Bill, um, an East Coast guy and we don't tailgate in the East Coast. People don't like that. We don't pass people on the right either just to get to the stop sign. Everybody's very myopic in terms of I'm going here, you keep up or get out of the way, or I'm just going to cut in front of you. And, and matter of fact, don't even bother getting out of the way. I'm going to go right up on you and uh, maybe I'll go around you on the right. 
And it's very annoying as an East Coast driver. I, we don't do that. That's like them's fighting words if you do that on the East Coast, passing on the right all the time. Here, it's every day and people tailgate like crazy. And to me, it's like so rude. And not only that, it's dangerous. So what can we do to kind of modify that behavior for other from other drivers? Well, uh, it's really kind of fun and interesting. It turns out that your subconscious recognizes things that your conscious mind does not. And so when, when someone is tailgating you, one of the things that you can do is to imagine, imagine that right off of your bumper, you can imagine a wall or you can imagine a whole set of roses that are right in, in back of your car and you imagine them as real, as physically real. And then what you do is very, very slowly, what you do is start backing the wall up. You start creating a little bit of distance, a bit at a time. Take it like two feet and then two feet more, nice and slow. And what you'll find is the person will start backing away and backing away and backing away. You just keep backing the wall up. Now, it's important that you imagine this wall or these roses as literally solid. Now, um, here's the amazing thing. When I say that the subconscious recognizes what the conscious mind does not, we, like as we grow up, we forget. Now, I had a, uh, I had a teacher of mine, Christmas party, and, and there was a foyer uh, as you go into the house. And in the foyer, she had uh, put a huge golden rose. She imagined a huge golden rose in the foyer and imagined golden lines going out from every corner to the, uh, to the corners of the room and grounded into the ground. What the intention of that particular rose was that she was grounding out everybody's negative emotions, you know, all of their fears before they got in the house. If they passed through the foyer, they just ground all the negativity out so that the party inside will be really fun. Well, as it turns out, a little three-year-old is with the parents as they come in. These are a guest comes in the foyer and and the kid comes in the in the foyer and he's oh my god wow wow and the parents are like and he's looking up you know kind of towards the ceiling and he's oh my gosh look at that and 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 the parents were like what what do you what what the rose, it's huge. He could still see. He could still see. And this, this ability to see is typically 
until a person reaches the age at which they begin to read, or if they play too much with the video games, they start to lose it. Mm -hmm. There's something about the eyes and, and it, its movement in reading that causes that ability to go away, along with some other abilities. Mm -hmm. My point of telling you that story is that it's real, but you still retain it subconsciously. So just back that, back the wall or back those roses up and you'll see the person backing away. It's an amazing tip. It's uh, so that's the uh, that is how you do that technique. So it's it's really amazing. And again, we're we're this is in the this is for safety. We're not telling you know we're not doing anything to the other vehicle. We are sending you know subliminal subconscious information there, and they their subconscious is feeding off that, and that'll slow them down and drive less dangerously it's not really we're not pushing them back they're just going to slow down because there's this this row of roses in front of them they're not going to see the roses per se but there'll be something that keeps them to slow down a little bit so we're not we're not physically doing anything to impact their driving but it's just a subconscious way of putting protection out there for both vehicles yeah, the um, right. That's a safety concern, right? You know, you should have some distance in between your cars, you know, and some Absolutely. people get, you know, so, so um, what happens is basically, they can feel and see this subconsciously, and it creates some angst, I am too close. And it's like, uh Oh, I'm still too close, I, I really need to slow down. Right? Because their subconscious is picking up that there is something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's so, a good thing. Yeah. It's for everybody's safety. So we're still in the car. Let's do a couple more there. So what I do is um, when I want a parking space uh, is I ask my guides and say, thank you for getting me a parking space right up front. And I used to be timid and like, I'll take the first space I see or park in the back and we'll walk a long way. And now I go all the way to the front and just assume that there's going to be something there. And if it's not, then I go in the back. But I can tell you, I go up to uh, Grand Avenue in Carlsbad. I've been up there about 10 times. And you'd think there's no way you would ever get a parking space. And we get one to then go to the beach there. Every time we get one right up front. And now my son does it. I'm like, Sky, get us a parking space. And he said, oh, dad, I just felt chills come all over me. I'm like, wow, this is great. And we always get a spot. So what what would be your technique? Would it be something different than this for uh, getting a parking space? So there's a there's a number of different ways to uh, do the parking space, get getting a parking space. So at the first stage of getting a parking space, we're in our in the very much in the density of this third dimension. We're very physical. We literally look with our eyeballs. We drive down one street, we drive down another, and we physically look for a parking space, right? We try to use our logical mind, like, well, probably more parking space logically in the front than the in the back than the front, right? So logically, you know, maybe we go to the back. Right. If um, if we're out there trying to get a park space. So that's the very first level. The next level is where 
you begin to ask, where is the open space? And you just blank your mind, you blank your, your mind as to where is it? It's a question. So you're now, instead of looking, you're asking a question. I mean, you're focused on you're your just, driving. You're focused on your, your driving. So let's right, be careful. Right. Yeah, okay. we're going to, yeah. You don't like your mind where you're not, you're not aware. Yeah, that, yeah, it's, um, I would like, say letting, it's letting go of the, uh, letting go of the looking for the parking space. Got it. And begin to ask a question. And then the, the, so, but if you notice, if you notice there's there's something that prevents you from manifesting a parking space. And that has to do with wanting. Have you ever been where it's really crowded, you know, like you are at the beach and it's the summer and you're like, oh, I really need a parking space and it's hot in the car. Sure. And I'm, you know, and, and I've already left them off and they got the cooler and they're dragging it down the beach. I need it. I need a parking space, right? That is a feeling. Well, this will put you in a position where you're going to have a difficult time manifesting a parking space. So the, the next level is where you manifest it. Wouldn't it be great if I had a parking space right up front? Wouldn't that be fun? There's not a want, there's a joy in it. So like, when, you're, when you're asking, Bill, then, so when you're asking where is the parking space, what do you do then? How do you how do you synchronize that with what you're saying now? You ask, where is a parking space? And you don't want it, and you're imagining, wouldn't it be great? There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so if if you're like um, when uh, the second stage where I'm asking, where is the open parking space? Uh, if you just simply imagine the area around you, right? It's like, oh, one block over, left-hand side. Just drive one block over and, and left-hand side. It's an ask, you know, just an open asking, where is it? You, some people will get a visual picture in their mind. Some people will hear, you know, oh, one block over, left-hand side. And, and some people will just, kind of know, you know, intuitively, hey, I, I should just turn over right, and then I'm going to turn left. Okay. So, yeah. And then, and then this last one is that, that upper level where you've let go of all the wanting, and you're simply in a joy. Oh, my gosh, I love today. I love everything about my car. I love everything about the road. I'm having a great time. I would so also enjoy, wouldn't it be great to have a, uh, have a right in the front? and let go of it, mm -hmm. let go of it, and just drive up front and watch what happens. A lot of times people, when uh, you ask, okay, where would the park, where is the parking space? And they get some information and it takes some time. It's just like with meditation where you get some monkey chatter and you don't know if you should trust it or not. Any advice to our audience out there in terms of how to hang in there when you're because you have to really learn how to do this without trying to learn in terms of getting the information from the subconscious or from source or whatever because a lot of times people overreact and say that's just crazy stuff in my head i can't is that me or is that just stuff i'm imagining 
your confidence builds over time. So the litmus test is your actual experience. Notice how you feel in your physical body when you get the information. Where do I have a sensation in my body? And what is that sensation? Just notice. It'll be subtle. But notice it. And then go to that place. And is it correct? Is it correct? Is there one there or not? What will happen is over time, you'll begin to notice particular sensations, or there'll be a particular tone to the message. And then you will, you'll be able to trust that. So that, like you say, at this point in time, you've gotten 10 times, you're down at the beach, getting a front row space. Now you're onto it. Now you know how it feels when you, when you do that. And when you're doing this, it probably doesn't feel like that strong sense of I need, I want, right? No, it's, it's an expect at, at this point, it's expectation that I don't have anxiety yeah. anymore. And the fact that no I have a, a nine-year-old with me who's doing it, um, I just turn it over to him now. I'm like, Sky, we need a parking space. And if he's vibing on it, I'm like, okay, we're good. And we always get one. So let's do one more, Bill. Getting the green lights, driving in California. And again, most of us are driving a lot out here. And green lights are an issue, of course. And some of the lights are really long. And so you want to you wanna keep flowing. What's a good way to... Uh, send out the right vibe to get those green lights. Oh my gosh. So I got to tell you a story because you'll, you'll actually be able to get, you know, get this. So, you know, where Filippi's pizza is in, uh, in little Italy where you used to live. Yep. You know where the ballpark is downtown. Sure. How far, you know, how many stoplights are in between the two? Uh, a lot. Yeah. It's not, it's like, not a few. Yeah. So like probably 15, maybe 15. So, so my wife wants pizza. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm in little Italy. I said, I pick up the pizza and I'm, and I was like, wouldn't it be so fun if I could get this pizza hot to her? Right. So, uh, there's these 15 stoplights in between, and this is a downtown situation, right? And uh, what I did is um, I simply had only one thing on my mind. I had the joy. I was thinking about the joy of, of this experience right? So I'm in a happy space, right? And then I only, I only had one thing. I said, I just saw green lights the entire way. And I literally just saw that in my mind, that every light when I get to it will be green. Now, right? did you have to, did you have to, uh, you know, a lot of times when we Sometimes we'll say, wow, I got every green light and you're flowing. You're at a certain pace that's in line right. with, the, with the lights. Do you factor that in or do you just drive and expect? No, no, don't, don't try to, don't try and, you know, if you try to logic it and that sort of thing, I know that seems like the reasonable thing to do. Get to 42 miles an hour. 
right? Right, you know, get to 40 million, two miles an hour and stick there, right? Well, you know, some of these are, have, you know, uh, the, the, not only, it's not just a straight four-way stop, you know, you've got the turn signal stop as well. So it's dynamic going four ways, right? So um, what you do is you let go of everything because you try not to control. I did not try to control anything. I merely saw it as green. I didn't want it to be green. I wasn't afraid of a red light. I simply saw it as green. I didn't try to adjust my speed, decrease or increase. I was just, it's green, it's green, it's green, it's green. Ah, how fun. Everything is great. I love it. The pizza's hot. I'm enjoying myself. Whatever, how many ever lights, at least 15, you know, lights all the way home. And this is, by the way, turning as well. These are turns. It's not a straight line. So you've got to give, in, in conclusion, and my special guest on Guys Guys Radio here, Bill McKenna, the creator of the Cogno Movement system. I would assume, Bill, that we have to give ourselves time. We can't, like, be too rough on ourselves as we're learning how to let go and how to do this and how to flow and how to work with the energy that's out there. Because a lot of people will, like you hear people say, I tried to meditate using the word tried, which is not a good thing. I tried to meditate, but then I, I, my mind, I can't stop my mind. How many times have you heard that? So when we're doing this, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's important to know that it's a process, but it's an unfoldment also that we have to give ourselves the opportunity to be able to enhance our abilities that are God-given, that are inside us, to bring them out. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Here's the here's the deal killer. Taking it too damn serious. Just enjoy it and have fun. The whole thing with the stoplights is like push-ups, right? It's just these are it's an exercise just look at it as you know what every day you have a chance to do the exercise who doesn't love a green light i see the green light i don't want it i just see it and amazingly um when you're in the state where you don't want and you're not afraid and you simply see it it puts you into this quantum realm where reality begins to bend and that's uh, and I, and uh, in, in closure, really, that the green light is a great symbolic story and lesson for us because the green light can uh, be part of any other aspect of your life. When we start to put an intention out there and let it go and work with the universe and let the universe do its work that it wants to do for us, well, many times we'll have much better results than when we keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And it becomes uh, something where you don't have to work as hard, uh, but you have to know how to work effectively. Right. Right. Yeah. Bill, where can that's, I, that's it. Bill, where can uh, our listeners and viewers find you? Oh, cognomovement.com. C-O-G-N-O-M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T.com. Uh, if you uh, subscribe there, You'll get two free ebooks. One of them is called Suffering is Optional, and the other one is called The 
tiny book of big manifesting. Fantastic. Bill McKenna, Cogno Movement. Thanks for coming back to Guys Guys Radio. We'll see you again soon. It's Guys Guy Radio. Wow. Interesting conversations with two very different people, yet they both add value on Guys Guys Radio, and that's what we do here. First was Kirsten Parsons Hathcock. Her personal story is an amazing one, a unique one. What did we learn? I think we learned that these psychic skills mediumship can come at any age. In her case, she's got a very unique set of skills in that the kids come through to her and they give her information to help solve the crimes about their personal lives, what happened, and also they help Kirsten in her personal life. So amazing stuff there. And Bill McKenna, a friend, my, one of my spiritual teachers, if you will, always brings interesting insights to Guys Guys Radio. Today we talked about mindful driving hacks. You can try these. Uh, Obviously, we're not going to go into meditation behind the wheel. These are things just about having a positive outlook, having the right intention to find parking places, to hopefully psychically back people off when they're tailgating, stuff like that. So it's all about driving safely, mindfully, and having a positive outlook. Guys, Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time on KCAA Radio here in Southern California, 106.5 FM, 10.50 AM. The podcast, YouTube, and Rumble post worldwide every Thursday. If you enjoy the content and guests I bring you each and every week, please subscribe to the shows. Apple Podcasts, YouTube are probably the most popular, but we've been downloaded in over 101 countries. We keep growing, growing, growing. I just can't tell you how much I enjoy doing this show and bringing you interesting information. Guess who adds some value? We really make it a, a mindful practice here to bring in the right people to the show to share information with you that you can use. So we're going to be back here next week. I want to thank all my guests. I think there's over 650 guests I've interviewed. We've done over 500. We're approaching 540 shows, and we've got a lot more to come. So thank you to my guests. I thank you to Chris, my wonderful producer, who always has my back, and also especially to you, my growing audience. We've got a lot more to come, got a lot more fun together, and we've got a lot more terrific guests to learn from. But Guys Guys Radio, I'll see you next week, and until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.